You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Jim Taddy here. Welcome to Leaf Sky, Episode 19, Season 3. Our guest on short notice, Dave McCarthy from SiriusXMNHL.com. And we're going to talk about the Leafs as they get set to head into the trade deadline. Before we get there, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet at all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That is correct. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down at all the major action from baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless because guess what, guys? They are. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Make your first deposit. Get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. And the Leafs have stocked up. Two more incoming. Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty have been added from the Chicago Blackhawks. Draft picks going out again. Draft schmaft is the operating agenda here. And I don't think anybody argues with it just because this is the season to do it. They've loaded up nicely. They've added players. As Kyle Dubas would say, that do things that Leaf players didn't do in the past. O'Reilly, Achari, now Lafferty and McCabe with some physical edge in the blue line. The three forwards we talked about do things down low in those tight areas that a lot of the Leaf players in the past couldn't get to. These are series-breaking moments or series-breaking players for the Leafs in a playoff series. I think you would agree O'Reilly, Ochari, and Lafferty can add a lot of grit, a lot of creating their own space in tight goal scoring that wasn't really a feature on the Maple Leaf roster in the past. I'm going to timestamp everything, and I'm going to tell you that we're recording this at 12 noon on February 28th. Eighth. And so this is before the Leafs play in Edmonton and Calgary and before the trade deadline. Things could happen, and we'll get into that speculation next in our conversation with Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM and NHL.com. Dave, the Leafs rolling the dice again. What do you make of the latest trade? Well, I think it's a good trade. Look, the 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 thing that I'm I'm focusing on this trade is, one, you're bringing in a guy in Jake McCabe who is is a, he's a top four defenseman. Like it's just no bones about it. He's a top four defenseman, um, and I'd rather have six top four defensemen where two guys end up playing uh, down the lineup and maybe beneath what they can handle than uh, two top four defensemen and you've got two guys playing higher in the lineup than they should be. That's what the Leafs dealt with on the blue line for quite some time, and now we're at the point where you look at the collection of defensemen that they have and you know they they have some serious serious depth and it's it's at the point now where somebody who probably would be playing probably should be playing is not going to play because they've got um so much depth so a great move there 
Sam Lafferty, guy comes in, he's a, he's a bigger guy, he's got speed, so he fits the way in, in which the Leafs want to play. Um, but he also has a willingness to go to the net, uh, to bang in goals, to, to work along the wall. Like, he is a, a legitimate National League caliber bottom six forward. And when you combine that with the, the other deal that they made, bringing in Ryan O'Reilly and Nola Chari, um, you, you've had Kyle Dubas bring in four quality roster players, give up zero roster players, um, and it's totally reformed the look of their team. Suddenly the bottom six looks like it can go up against Tampa Bay's legitimately and and maybe swing the tide on some nights. Whereas before, and by before I'm meaning like three weeks ago, it was woefully inadequate. So really, I, I try not to be hyperbolic, but I think outstanding work on the part of Kyle Dubas to this point, because now is the time to win. I don't think he's given up really all that much, and any of the picks are or Abramov, or Gogolev, who they gave up, none of that is helping you at minimum for three years. And three years from now, the 18 skaters at Sheldon Kiefer, or quite frankly, whomever the head coach might be at that point, that he's sending over the boards onto the ice may look very different, and it may not be a team that is close to contending for a cup. So A-plus work from Kyle Dubas, I think. Yeah, look, you know, you and I have talked about this. I've talked about, about this with other guests on, on this podcast. Uh, if you're in a, a playoff series, and I think this was the uh, the flex point for the Leafs in a negative fashion in the past, top two lines should match the top two lines of the other team you're playing. The bottom two lines uh, have been a problem in the past, and the bottom pairing defenseman would have been a, a problem in the past. The Stanley Cup winner has great third and fourth lines, and it has a 5-6 pairing on the blue line that gives you 12 minutes a night of errorless free hockey. Uh, and I think the Leafs, I'm not saying they've, they've answered all of that, but they've made a major step in that direction. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look at the, the bottom six that they had three weeks ago where it was David Camp, Pierre Engvall, Joey Anderson, Zach Aston, Reese, Pontus Holmberg, and Alex Steves. Like, come on. You're not winning anything with that. So as as you like to say, Jim, it was non-negotiable yes. that that Kyle did something to address that. If if you're going to go up against Tampa Bay, where they've got Ross Colton and Nemesnikov and Nick Paul and Pierre Edward Belmar and Corey Perry and Patty Maroon, like you would get taken to the cleaners. Uh, their bottom six against Toronto's that I just that I just articulated. You had to improve, and they did. Um, and now when you look at a blue line, like, who, who's not playing? Let's look at it guy by guy here. Um, Morgan Riley's playing. TJ Brody's playing. Um, Jake McCabe is playing. Um, I think Timothy Lilligren should play. I think he's been really, really good this year. Dramatically improved from what he has been. And you use the term errorless hockey. Generally yeah. speaking, he doesn't make a lot of errors. He's not, he's not flying up and down the ice, but that's okay. You don't want him to. He doesn't make a lot of errors. He's reliable. Um, I think Gio plays. I think he, he has been uh, very steady as well. Uh, he brings a veteran presence, which I, I think is important. Some people will roll their eyes, but it is important. So there, there's five. You know, um, who, else is, who else is in the lineup right now? Is Justin Hall playing? Is Rasmus Sandin playing? Is Connor Timmons playing? It really comes down to one of those three guys um, that's going to be in. You know, and I think 
I think Justin Hall at this point will be in uh, ahead of Sandine and and Timmons just because Hall does you know, kill penalties relatively effectively. Um, but I'm I, I wonder. Let's see how this plays out over the next two or three days here before the deadline. Because I'm not convinced there isn't another move to come. And if there is another move to come, it'll probably involve money going out. Um, in other words, a roster player. But Sheldon Keefe has talked all year long that you want to be in a position to make some difficult decisions when it comes to your lineup. And in saying that, you know, a guy who probably should be playing is just not enough room for you in the lineup tonight. They're kind of at that point, you know, both up front and on the back end now. Yeah, so just to you know, put a timestamp on what we're talking about, we're talking on February 28th at noon. So, so we don't know exactly what they're going to do. It depends on when people are listening to this. But, but I would suggest that they could look at moving out a, a Kerfoot salary. They could move. They could look at moving out uh, a Hall salary and bringing back for those two guys one defenseman. Uh, maybe that that helps on a penalty kill that replaces Hall. I mean, that's a bit of a stretch, but but you know, there's something that's in the wind still, isn't there? I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Pierre Engvall is a guy who's vulnerable as well. Um, just because look, I think that he's such an enigmatic player, really. I, I think there's an upgrade there to be had because like, if you watch Pierre Engvall on a regular basis and really like ISO him when you watch him, he, he flies through the neutral zone, he hits the blue line, and then I was joking with a couple of colleagues the other night in Buffalo, Captain Buttonhook, like he peels up, he turns back to the blue line, plays dead. He doesn't have that level of skill. But what he has is like a 6'4", 6'5", frame, 220, built like, you know, Atlas, the guy who holds the earth on his hand in Greek mythology. But he never goes to the net, ever, 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 ever. And, and that type of play where you, you turn back at the blue line in the playoffs um, is is really risky. Because what happens in the playoffs? Play the same team seven times in a row. What does that other team have? Scouts. What do they do? They watch for tendencies. They will identify that that's what Pierre Engvall does. And when you know that he's going to do that, then you just defend him like that. You get in his way, and it's turnover city, and you're back the other way. That type of play really, really scares me. It's a shame because I think he's got the skill set. He's, he's a talented guy. Like, he's got some offensive ability, but he just doesn't show a willingness to use his whole skill set, which is his size. And and I think there, if you're especially talking about a third line, I would like more reliability there than 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 what I've seen out of Pierre Engvall. In other words, if you had to pick one, I would like to see the Leafs keep Kerfoot. I think he is, I mean, he's, he's had his mistakes as well. He made a mistake last year against Tampa Bay, if I recall, that cost him. But I think by and large, he is more reliable than Pierre Engvall. So we'll see what happens there. But if I were Kyle Dubas, I'd look to see if I could make an upgrade in that area. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think if you're looking at the, the leap forwards as they are right today when we're recording this, uh, the guy that we play is Digval. Uh, Kerfoot has uh, proven that he's, uh, you know, he's he's a Swiss Army knife. He can move around. Uh, Lafferty adds a, a lot of grit, size, and speed, and uh, you know, a little more responsible than, than what Ingval would bring to the table. So I I would suggest to you if the playoffs were to start tonight, Ingval would be the guy who wouldn't be dressing. 
I would be okay with that because I'd like to see Kerfoot stay in the lineup if, if what, what they have right now is what they ultimately end up having. The other thing that I find is really interesting, David Camp, in, in games where it's tight and there's not a lot of room out there, uh, I find he really raises his game. I find he's the type of guy, that's the type of game, um, a playoff-style game, in other words, where, where he has the ability to impact it in a really positive fashion because he doesn't play a, a fly-up-and-down-the-ice game. He plays a no-room type game. He likes playing games like that. We saw him come up with a big goal there against Minnesota the other night where it was a no-room type game. Um, yeah, I think David Camp could be a real X-factor. I've liked his game uh, most of this season. He's, again, reliable. You know what you're going to get out of him. Um, Sheldon Keefe loves his predictability. He's a guy that I think uh, will raise his game when when you see the games get a little bit tighter down the stretch and into the playoffs. Okay, so let's go back to the blue line. You had Riley Brody, Gio Lilligren, and McKay playing, which I would totally agree with, and I think anybody else would. So who is the sixth guy? Uh, is it Sandine or, and or Hall? Or, I mean, how do you see that? Because I, I'm not really enamored with either one of those guys at this point. No, I'm not. Um, I think Rasmus is, I don't know if stalled is a fair word, but he, he hasn't he hasn't taken as many steps forward as I thought he might. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, him and Lilligren have kind of been linked together for quite some time, drafted one year after the next, both from Sweden, both first-round picks, and a number of factors there. And it always seemed like Sandine, ever since he came over here, was a few steps ahead of Lilligren, even though he was drafted the year after. But I think it's fair to say now that Lilligren has passed him on the depth chart, and which is you know a good thing. It means Lilligren's really shown improvement. Um, like, I don't know if the if the the fact that Rasmus missed a bit of training camp got in his way, and he's been chasing it ever since, kind of like the Willie Nylander year. Uh, but he just he hasn't been as effective as I thought. So, um, you know, I'm going to be interested to see, and again, as you say, we're talking on, on, on noontime here uh, on on Tuesday, how Sheldon Keefe is going to uh, put his pairs together. Um, so, you know, you have to keep in mind, it's not just, you know, who do you want at even strength, but who do you want killing penalties? Um, and Justin Hall has been effective in that role. Rasmus Sandin does not. So, you know, do you go, do you go Riley, uh, Riley Brody, uh, Gio Lilligren and uh, McCabe uh, and, and Hall? Is that your, your pairings there? So you got, you know, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, and then Brody's fine play on the right side. But you've also got that guy in Hall that is an effective penalty killer along with Brody, along with Giordano, along with Lilligren. So you got, two legit pairs there and then Riley can if you need uh, as opposed to Sandine who who doesn't really kill penalties all that much so uh, I would think Hall would be in at this point um, but we'll see we'll see how it plays out can I talk you into acquiring Luke Shen to add to this oh group? yes you can you don't have to talk me into it at all I, I think Luke yeah. Shen would be fantastic just because again you'd be bringing him in here and I think you're asking yourself, is he an upgrade on Justin Hall? I think he would be. Yep. I think he would be. He kills penalties, so you've got to wash there in that, that role responsibility. Um, 
he's he's a bit bigger. He's a, a lot more physical. Um, that's the other thing that's frustrating about Justin Hall. He's a fairly big guy. He doesn't hit anybody all that often. And, and like, you need that, uh, I think. So, to me, yes, Luke Shen would be an upgrade over Justin Hall. And you'd be bringing him in here, not as first-round pick, 18-year-old savior of the franchise, Luke Shen, but guy who you're asking for 12 to 15 solid minutes um, and kill some penalties here and there and, and be a pain in the ass around your net. I, I think he could do that. I think he'd be an upgrade. Yeah. Well, he's a specific fit for me just because, you know, when you look at the map uh, or the roadmap ahead, you're going to have to play Tampa. So he played in Tampa. He, he could help there. And if you get through that and you have to play Boston, well, that's a pretty thick, strong team. That's what you need. I mean, with all due respect to Justin Hall, uh, he's not the fit in those two series. Uh, Luke Shen is. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I don't know what they do to get him. I mean, you have to sort of put on your creative hat and, hat and, and try and figure it out. But, but this would be a good ad for me, and it wouldn't be too many moves. They're, they're almost at the point now yeah. where they're, they're, they're going to cross that line and make too many moves, but, but Shen would seal it for me. Yeah, well, you think about it. They brought in four roster players. That is like 20% of your playing roster on any given night. That's a lot. You make a fifth. I mean, it goes up only, only higher. So you're right, and Kyle alluded to that on Monday when he spoke, just what you said. You're, you're at the point now where you got to be careful. You don't overdo it and, like, totally change the look of your team where you're almost starting from scratch in September and trying to rebuild chemistry. Tough time of the year to rebuild chemistry. That's part of the calculus. When you bring guys in is will they be able to quickly and easily assimilate um, so far with the O'Reilly and Achari move, they've been seamless in their, in their ability to assimilate into the roster. You know, that's now a question. We'll see how McCabe and, and Lafferty do. And if you're going to make another move, you're right. I wouldn't go much beyond making, um, a, a fifth addition, so to speak. But, but Luke Shen to me, as you point out, I'm with you, would be an upgrade on Justin Hall because as, as good a penalty killer as Justin Hall has been still scares the hell out of me at even strength when I turn around and he I find him behind the opposition's net. Um, I just, I don't need you down there, man. So um, yeah, I, I don't think Luke Shen would be venturing down that way very often. And I think that would be a good thing because you're paying guys 11 million bucks to be behind the opposition's net. I don't need my defenseman down there, especially when his name is not Kale McCarr. Um, I think that's an area that'll, that'll end up hurting them at times. So I think Luke Shen would be, yeah, uh, you don't have to talk me into that one. That's for sure. Okay, Dave, let's end on this. Um, is there any other move that you can see the, the Leafs making, whether it be up front, in goal, or on the blue line? Uh, not really. No, like I, other than the Luke Shen move, I, I really don't like, I don't think they need a winger anymore because I think they acquired a top six winger. His name's John Tavares and they got him in the Ryan O'Reilly deal, right? Like yeah. that's, yeah. that's how, that's how a trade like the O'Reilly deal with a Chari can totally, totally change, um, the look of your lineup because it's not only the guys that you bring in, but it's the guys that you have that get moved around and, and maybe into even more effective positions. So, so that isn't an area that I see a hole in where it once did. Uh, the blue line we talked about, they've got 
depth galore. You know, didn't even mention a guy like Jordy Ben because I think he's probably slipped to like eighth, uh, eighth on the depth chart. Um, so I, I think they're in good shape there. Do you do you go out and get a goalie? Um, I I'm of two minds. Like two weeks ago, my answer was maybe leaning more toward you might want to think about it. A month ago, I was like, no need. Uh, but now we're hearing that Matt Murray is likely to be uh, activated. Uh, Kyle suggested trending toward maybe the end of this week. So if that's the case, you'll have some games to get back up and running again. Um, the the concern always is, though, even if he does get up and running, and even if he plays a few games and plays well uh, for a few games, I find with Matt Murray, I don't know what it'll take. I don't know if it if anything can occur with him where you don't wake up each morning, um, regardless of what happened the night before and wonder if you're going to see Matt Murray on the ice at, at practice or morning skate, right? Just because that's been his track record. So I guess that's always the risk, but you know, Joe wall is a guy who's 25, right? Like he's not 20. It's kind of, now or never like it's the same age that Jordan Bennington was when he came out of nowhere for St. Louis um do you like what you see in him I think they do um and I think they like what what Ilya Samsonov has delivered they should he's been really good this year so if if Samsonov goes down you know you roll the 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 dice and say well you know hopefully that happens for you know a stretch of three or four games where Matt Murray's capable of playing if not you got Joe Wall like, who are you bringing in? You're not bringing in a starting goalie to sit beside you and I in a suit in the press box in case of emergency that you need him. You're, you're not bringing in that guy. You're bringing in, you know, a, 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 a third goalie, right? Uh, probably a veteran that you're looking at and saying, well, if we get down to it, I'm more confident in him than I am in Joe Wall. But in reality, how much better would that guy be against Joe Wall? Really, right? Yeah. So, you know, if, if you lay it out that way, I think I think you kind of just have to roll the dice with the with the three. And, and even Eric Shogun, the four options that you have, because I don't think you're bringing in anybody where if you need to go to him, you're like, whew, okay, we're, we're putting in a top five goalie here, you know, Vasilevsky the other end, nah, no problem. Lena Solmark the other end, no problem. No, you're still you're still kind of rolling the dice and, and saying to yourself, geez, it's it's still a pretty damn big mismatch here anyway. Yeah, smarter people than us will figure out how this fits in under the cap. Dave, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Always good. Thanks, Captain. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right. Thank you, Mike Ross. Look at this split. Yes, guy, no guy on the way out. Yes, guy, no guy. You like the trades the Leafs have made. Oh, yes, guy. Three forwards that can muck it up and do all kinds of gritty things in a playoff series and a tough defenseman. What's not to like there? That is a yes, guy. Yes, guy, no guy, number two. More will follow. I'm going to say yes, guy, to that as well. I think there's going to be a salary or two that gets moved out in order to activate Matt Murray and maybe just create some space there in case of other problems or maybe they find somebody else they want to add also at the deadline. I see salary going out and maybe a body or two coming back. So they're not done yet is what I'm trying to say. And we'll end on this. Yes, guy, no guy. The team is set to advance in the playoffs. Well, that's a no guy. Nobody is set to advance in the playoffs. You have to earn that. Nobody gives you any 
anything in the playoffs. So the Leafs have set the table, and we'll see what they do about that. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoy Leafs Guy Episode 19, Season 3. hope you come back next week for Episode 20.